Hello, I'm Jill Sutton, and welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that features heart-to-heart conversations between mamas who are navigating everything that changes after having children. Right now, let's give ourselves grace to change, to let go of what no longer serves us, and unapologetically take up space. This knowing and owning our self-worth is the key to living a fulfilled life, our best life. Don't just leave a legacy, live one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that celebrates and serves mamas who are choosing to live their best life after starting their families. I am your host, Jill Sutton, and thank you for joining today. We have our first like across the pond guest on the podcast. I've had some people in Canada before, and this is just really exciting. I feel like the podcast is getting a little bit more widespread and far reaching, and that's fun. It's actually super fun. I don't have my phone in front of me right now, but I do believe the podcast has been listened to in like nine countries, which is (laughs) mind-blowing. It's really mind-blowing. So Super excited. Today on the podcast, we have Becky Tilly. She is um, someone who just recently discovered that she has Kulin DeVries syndrome. It's a genetic uh, disorder or anomaly, and that two out of the three of her kids also have it. So we kind of go through her experience and how life-changing it was to actually get the diagnosis and what she's doing now to empower herself and her children and really the world, the global community. One thing she mentions in this podcast, which is absolutely crazy, is that Kulin DeVries was actually just found in like 2006, which just, I can't, I can't comprehend that. I know we're getting smarter and we have new things coming out every day that we're learning about, but the fact that that's such a recent genetic anomaly that's being found in it and they're learning like still right now, like all the ties that, um, that go with it. It's just, it's just crazy. Super exciting though. We did have our first living her legacy giveaway last week. That was really fun. I really thank you guys all for joining in on that. Uh, I'm hoping to do a few more in the future. I just had chosen a few of my favorite things. They were, you know, the native brand deodorant, the Zoe Organics, everything balm, and a couple of plain products, beauty oil and hair repair. If you did not win the giveaway, you can still try out some of those plain products at a discount. I don't have codes for native or Zoe organics as of yet. Those are companies that I would love to work with in the future. Um, and I just need to reach out to them basically. Uh, but with plain products, you can use the link to their site in my description of the show notes and click that link, go ahead over to plain products, use code Jill 20 at checkout, uh, J-I-L-L-2-0. And that gives you 20% off your purchases site-wide. And you can use that code, it's reusable. So you can use it anytime. Anytime you go to make a purchase from their site, you're always gonna get 20% off using that code. I am an affiliate partner. So I do make a small commission off of purchases made through that link and using that code. Um, I have been using Plain Products since 2019 at least. So it's been quite a few years that I've been using their products. And I love them. I can't tell you, you know, I can't give them enough praise. I just really do love the company, what they stand for and uh, the hard work that they put into making a really quality, organic, recyclable product, minimal waste, like no one single use plastic. It's just, it's, it's incredible. So definitely support them if you feel so led. 
hoping to reach out to native and Zoro organics to see if they will offer a discount code and give me an affiliate connection to with them. I love those products as well. I've been using them for a long time and yeah, make sure that you follow myself living her legacy podcast and uh, thrive rare on Instagram. I'll link both of our accounts in the show notes because Becky has been so generous and she is going to be offering a giveaway for one of her copies of her books. So we'll be announcing that giveaway soon. Super excited to be able to do that for the listeners and to just spread her message of hope and resilience and encouragement. And she is doing all the things and it's super exciting to see. Once again, the podcast is on YouTube. Please go ahead over to YouTube, check it out. All the podcasts are recorded via video and I am finally getting through some of them, editing them. They have a video version. So you can like watch this and see what I look like, what the guests look like. If um, I know I don't show my face a lot on Instagram on that account, but definitely go check it out. That would be so cool to be meeting over there and be able to communicate a little bit more. Like I said, the reason I kind of like the YouTube platform is because you can watch the podcast. You can interact about the episodes. You can literally leave a comment or notes about the episodes and we can talk. We can talk about it. It's so fun. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, I highly encourage you reach out to me, check it out. It is so easy to do. We just literally chat and I would love to talk with you. If you are a mom or if you are in the service of moms, if you have a business that supports moms, um, I would love to chat with you. Also, I am in need of foundation ideas. I am wanting to partner with a foundation and um, take donations for them via the podcast. So Basically, what would happen is someone would donate money to the podcast to help keep it running, and a percentage is going to go back out to that donation. I'm looking at different foundations to see which one really aligns with what I want. I'm probably not going to stick with the same one all the time. It might be like for a quarter, I support um, a certain foundation, and then we switch to a new one the next quarter. Something that I'm really looking into, I would love to be a entity that gives back and in more than one way. So I know information and entertainment is one way, but also I would love to give back to a charity that is serving needs in a community. So definitely give me some ideas there. You can let me know on YouTube or you can let me know on Instagram, living her legacy podcast. I would love to hear that. On to the show. I'm so excited for the show. Again, Becky Tilly, follow her on Instagram, follow living her legacy podcast on Instagram. And that way, you know, when we start this giveaway for a copy of her book. So super exciting. Let's go. Hi, Becky. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for our conversation today and to learn more about what you have to tell us about. Yes, I'm very excited to share it. Yeah, I would love if you wanted to just introduce yourself and maybe let us know a little bit about you and some of your story. Of course. Yeah. Well, as you said, my name is Becky and I am a mum. I am a rare mama. So I have three children, two of which have a rare chromosome, the sort of called Coulin de Vries, that they inherited from me. And the knowledge of this was quite a surprise. And it kind of, that was a 
set off a whole new course for me in life, really. After this diagnosis, I finally discovered my calling, my passion and my purpose. And I've honestly not looked back since. How is it diagnosed? Well, interestingly, um, my son was born with hypotonia, which uh, the medical term for that is low muscle tone. So he was considered a floppy baby. He spent 34 days in NICU. And there was a good year or so of blood tests trying to find out what genetic disorder or disease was causing the low muscle tone. Um, so that was an intense year because two weeks after he was born, the pandemic hit. So it was the most intense year of my life, to be honest. Um, and when we were diagnosed jointly, he and I together, I was four months pregnant with my third child. So they also informed me at that time that she also had a 50% chance of having Coulin de Vries too. And we only discovered it was that because we'd exhausted all blood tests they could possibly do. There was one test left to do, which was a tri-genome sequencing test, um, which was a blood test from myself, my husband, and Josh to see if any rare diseases were flagged up. And Coulin de Vries was the one that flashed red, and it turned out that Josh and I both had it. Hmm. How does it present? So you said that low tone. Is there any other things? Yes. That it, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, there is um, developmental delay and learning difficulties. Obviously, as, as they get older, you might tell more um, mild to moderate intellectual disability. There is epilepsy is another um, health condition that can occur as well as heart and kidney problems also. Thankfully, myself and my two kids have never had any health issues. So, you know, I'm really hopeful that will continue. Wow. Yeah, I was just going to ask if it's kind of like presented recessively in you or, or do you have any symptoms yourself? Yes. I mean, I've had anxiety disorder for as long as I can remember. It's only lately that I've um, learned to get a good handle on it and I can manage it well and in a healthy, holistic way. So it took a lot of trial and error, but I'm, I'm there now. And I had learning difficulties all through school. I was in a mm. special ed class for maths and English. So that is something that is you know, quite common with Coulin de Vries. So, so that was the symptoms to me growing up. Mm. And then you said your son has it. And then you said one other child um, has it as well. Yeah. Has it. yeah, my youngest daughter, my firstborn, um, Isabella, she wasn't affected at all. So she's considered neurotypical, mm -hmm. as in she's got no signs or symptoms of the disorder at all, whereas myself and my kids do. And obviously my husband is also neurotypical. Okay. Okay. And then does your daughter have any different presentation or is she also low um, tone? Yes. Yes, she is. They're both diagnosed with hypertonia. And, um, Speech-wise, she'll be two on 20th of September, and she does still, she's still only in the babbling phase now. She's mm. not said any words yet, which is really similar to my son, who has um, speech and language therapy, and is awesome at sign language, and he, he can say a few words, like here, he'll say, and he'll say yeah, and he'll say ball, you know, and things, so those things he'll say, say intermittently. Um, they're always a joy to hear, 
and I've got faith that, that more are going to come when he's ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have him in, it sounds like speech and language therapy. And then what other types of services does he have? Um, no, it's literally just that um, because he's, I know I said he had hypotonia, but he's a very active, energetic, full of life. He can run, jump, you know, do anything any child could at his age. You know, he's um, he's not any different to any other child with his physical development, which Excellent. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a blessing. So I'm, I it think you probably absolutely. don't know this, but I'm a physical therapist by background, so... Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I saw a lot yeah, of those physio. kiddos. Yes. The physio helped massively, mm-hmm. especially as he was a newborn. Um, mm-hmm. I kept at it every day with him and encouraged him and cheered him on. And by age one, he was walking. Excellent. Which is phenomenal. And he just kept going from strength to strength. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, like, how has this affected you as a mama? At first, it hit me like a freight train. It was just, it was so unexpected, and it was so much to take in. And it was really isolating experience because there was no one that I knew that could even begin to relate to what I was going through, which which made it even harder. Um, but after some counseling, which I had, found an incredible genetics counselor who was the first person to give me permission to to really go into the depths of guilt I was feeling that mm. he inherited it from me um and the fears for my my daughter on the way that could also have it she just let me really go into those dark places and, and fearful places and just just be with it she said it's okay to to feel like that and and that was so freeing just to know that I could go there with someone and they just let me let me be in it. And I think as a result of that, I was able to move through it quicker because I finally had permission to, to free it, <laughs> to free myself of all the burden I was carrying of guilt. Um, and once I was able to drop that and see it in a new light, um, then I, you know, those guilty feelings, they've not taken hold of me since. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I feel like as a mom, we carry so much of that, like no matter what it is, like we hold on to that burden as something that we have done or we have imparted. And, uh, it's hard to sit in that and, and kind of, I guess, grieve it and also just work through it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a blessing in disguise really, because gave me a lot of answers as to why I'm the way I am and looking back at my childhood why I had the difficulties that I had and not just at school at work too in the workplace it also affected me um and I always thought you know I kind of adopted others negative opinions of me as a truth Mm. you know I thought okay maybe I am just stupid and maybe I don't have any potential or you know um maybe they're right I can't achieve anything and I kind of had such a low opinion of myself and what I was capable of because I internalized what everyone else said about me. And and you would think that maybe the diagnosis could have pushed me down that road further, but it actually had the opposite effect. And and I took off straight out of it and I've not gone back down that road. Wow. 
That's great. Yeah. I've been kind of trying to do some work myself as far as just exactly what you said, others opinions or others ideas we kind of take on as truths. And that's not always the case, but it's hard to identify those. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is. And like, I think had I not gone through what I went through, I still wouldn't be conscious of it. I would still think this is just the way that I am. I'm just not bright. I'm just not this, or I'm just not that. And I just think that's literally just the way that I am. I would have thought nothing more of it. But yeah. because I had what turned out to be two, well, three beautiful kids, and two of which had the same disorder they had, and I knew how difficult my childhood was due to having that disorder. Um, and I, I knew my kids could go through similar struggles, if not harder ones, um, because I was talking from an early age. And I thought, well, this really puts me in a position of, am I going to sink or swim? And not just me, but for them. Mm. As in, am I, they're going to look up to me as, as a broken mother that's, that feels pity for us all as a family? Or are they going to look up to me as someone that they can be inspired by and encouraged to actually... My mum's got a disorder, but look what she's achieving and look how happy she is. And, you know, and then as a result of that, then believing it's possible for them too. I just made that my mission. Mm. I love that. Like, I feel like, yeah, you could have done either way. You could have gone either way. You could have, yes. you know, used it kind of as a crutch or used it as something to break through and prove to yourself and to your kids that you're more than that. Yes, Absolutely. Well, I'd love to hear. I know you've written a book. I have. Yes. Yeah. It was only published last week. So it's, it's quite new, but it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible feeling because I actually, when I was in special needs English class, I actually wrote my own book <laughs> with little cartoons that I drew to go with it. And it was a little animal story. So it's like, I had that dream even then as a child, mm. because I loved English, I loved reading, I loved writing, you know, and it didn't matter if I needed additional support, it was still just something I loved to do. And later in life, I kind of lost my way in that, and I, and I didn't write for years and years and years. And now it's kind of come full circle. I got back into it again, and now, you know, it's what, what to do for a living. And, I, you know, I'm an author now, and, yeah, so it's really become you know, my, my purpose and my dream fulfilled. Congratulations. That is really something to be proud of. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It was a labor of love. Definitely. (laughs) That's what I've heard about writing is it's a lot harder than people might think, you know, it's kind of romanticized as being an author or writer or something like that, but it's pretty, yes. pretty hard work. And you go to some dark places, I think, trying to get those books done. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. You should say that because my whole journey of starting the book, I began with a program by Jordan Peterson called self-authoring. And it's when you basically change the narrative of your past um, you get to evaluate your present and you get to decide what your goals and dreams are for the future. And for me to go into my past like I did, mm. and as we said, like you're not always conscious of who or what has formed your identity. You just get up every day and go along with it as such. And 
because they're my children, I really had to confront everything about who I believed I was, everything about what I believed I was capable of. And that did take me to some extremely dark places. Um, I did, did have to dig deep through a lot of trauma to create that book. Um, obviously, the beautiful creation came out the other side of it, but, but for that all to come out in a way that was empowering and that could inspire somebody, yeah, I had to go through the trenches first before I could emerge with something to offer the world. So tell us about the book. What is it called? It's called Thrive Rare, Embracing the Uniqueness Within. Because it, to me, it's um, what I have is considered a rare chromosome disorder. And before now, I'd only been surviving. And I think, you know, rare to me doesn't just say you've got a rare disorder. Rare can mean anything you want it to mean in terms of you're not living by the status quo in terms of how society says you should live or what your life or who you are should look like, you define that for yourself. And to me, that is rare. So just thrive rare means almost thrive in the way that's, that's true to you, that's uniquely yours. And the whole book is about my journey to discovering that. Um, at, because as I've touched on a little already, um, I grew up for so long. It took 38 years for this turnaround mm. and the, the turnaround's been enormous like literally life-changing and I see myself in a whole new light and anxiety disorder as well was something that was all-consuming for me something I once couldn't see past and and now it's got no hold on me in terms of who I want to become and I actually feel like when I was rewriting my story I actually became the woman that I wrote about at the end <laughs> because it was through that process. It was messy. Like I said, it was uncomfortable and there were tears and I was just getting it all out on paper. And once I kind of put all the right pieces in place, I thought, wow, like this is, I've literally documented my personal growth journey from up, you know, upheaving my past to who I've come out the other side as, and that's all now on paper for the world to read. That's amazing. Where can we find the book? It's actually on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I did self-publishing through them, which was amazing. It's really incredible growth experience to do that. And yeah, so it's, um, if you've got Thrive Rare, Becky Tilly, mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy to share the link. And yeah. it's available by ebook and paperback. I'm working Excellent. on the hardcover, but it's not available yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. Any, um, and I don't know anything about the self, I've heard of the Amazon self-publishing, but is there any opportunity to do uh, like the audiobook? Oh, it's funny you should say that because I said to my husband um, how much I love doing, as well as writing encouragements, I love to do videos, then short little reels for the day as in here's a message of encouragement. And I said, God, I'd love to like, read my book for people to listen to because we've all got our ways some people are so busy they don't have time to sit and read that they'd rather just play something while they get on you know tidying the house or whatever and so I am looking into that option absolutely it's something I'd love to do yeah I think that would be so wonderful I know for me um and really kind of the purpose of this podcast is you know 
mamas that are working on themselves and prioritizing themselves so that they can live their best life and be a good example to their kids on what that looks like. Um, But one of the things that I know I always put on the backseat is reading. And so I love I, I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm an, an audio listener. I love ah, to listen to books. Yeah. And, um, so I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely something I've thought about. So thanks to the encouragement. I'll look into that further now. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And I'll definitely put, um, a link in for your book. That would be so great. So people can find it. That'd be so fun. Thank you. Yeah. So what's next? You've written a book now. I'm actually already starting my second. (laughs) I've already moved on to my second. Um, But I couldn't wait to get started, actually, because writing is really my greatest passion. I know Mm. some people will do a book, they'll become an author, and that's what's the last you see of them. They've done their book, it's out there, and then they move on to something else. That's not me at all. You know, I, I just want to keep, growing this and I love conversations like this to share my story as well as well as doing blogs and having these conversations is such a joy to me Mm. and I would love to have the opportunity in the future to do speak at events about my story and actually meet people engage with people face to face would be my next dream come true I would say oh yeah get like some sort of speaking speaking gig that would be so fun yes yeah, that would be incredible. And you bring my books with me to it. Yeah, that's that's definitely my next my next goal, I would say. I love that. And I love how like, I don't know, tell me, did you do anything before this? Like what was your career path before writing? I actually considered becoming a teaching assistant at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, to be honest, looking at it, the fact it didn't work out in my favor is actually a positive thing because I'm not practically minded I'm not at all academic to tell you the truth but I am very creative and I'm very nurturing and encouraging so when that door closed and obviously I had my children the thing that got me on this course was I needed hope stories I like I said I love to read and once I found out, once you're diagnosed, that's the first thing I did when I got onto Google was hope stories of people living with KGBS, as in people living with hypertonia, where's the hope? I just wanted to soak up whatever goodness of your know, families defying doctors' expectations or, you know, just stories of kids thriving despite the odds. And I found a few, and they were such a kind of comfort and encouragement for me to read, and I just thought, you know, everyone's always told me in life that you're, you're so encouraging. And I thought, how about I give hope to people through my own story that I take the to take the focus off me and how I'm grieving and what I'm going through and focus on all the families around the world that could get some hope from what I've achieved in life. And I found a international KDBS support group. And because the first diagnosis was in 2006, they didn't know of anyone like my age (laughs) with a story to tell. They could tell it like I could. So when I came on the scene, they just thought, you know, we're so happy you found us and given us so much hope. And 
And only from that moment, I was like, wow, I think I've like arrived in terms of what I'm meant to be doing with my life. Because I thought, you know, their kids have got KDBS for life. I've got it for life as long as well as my children. So, you know, I can just keep going with this. <laughs> and this doesn't have to end. I can just keep sharing encouragement. I created my own support groups, UK and international one. Um, I wrote 19 blogs to different rare disease organizations sharing hope stories. And it was that, it was knowing that I had that positive impact on people just as I was, you know, I shared that, you know, I've been employed, I've had employment of work and that I've been to college and I got a diploma in performing arts. Just kind of, I thought, what? And I, I sat there and thought, what positive things have I achieved that I could tell people about? And I just wrote them all in a list mm-hmm. and just encourage people, you're not alone. And, you know, I've got high hopes for my child that's been diagnosed and I'm going to keep encouraging him. And they're like, oh my gosh, like... <laughs> don't go kind of thing because they had such a, a warm response and I had floods of inbox messages and comments and I just thought yes now I can do something with my writing now I can really you know make something meaningful out of it that's going to last as long as I want it to mm. I have heard it said that oftentimes like our weakness or what we see as our deficit is like our mission like our story our connecting piece so I love that you have been able to turn this and connect with so many people worldwide yes yeah it's been incredible and so many of them you know I joined probably the KBS group um over a year and a half now Mm. and some of the people that first said hello to me in that international support group are still with me today they've got a copy of my book they're following my journey and the journey of my kids and the fact they're still with me and we're still connected is like it's such a blessing and I really consider I I can't get over the fact that you said it was found in 2006 yes yeah that's not that long ago it's quite new (laughs) yeah I know it's not it's not long ago at all and and I think that was the other thing I think I could offer other parents comfort just in the fact that I've lived it I am living it myself here and now and I have for the past 30 no 39 years mm-hmm. and I thought and I think by giving them hope and comfort it offers me the same in return so I just think um yeah so it, it's given me a very empowered perspective on it because I don't know what it's like to be neurotypical and find out your children have a rare disorder and have to get your head around that with no idea of what that really means. Um, whereas because I've had, like I said, the learning difficulties and all those things and not feeling like I can get on at work and, you know, I'm, it's given me this feeling of I'm prepared for the kinds of things that kids can encounter and mm-hmm. I'm making sure I'm battle ready for it so I can show up as like the warrior mum that they need me to be. And I think that's, that really helps parents to see that, to see me embodying that that mindset about it and that positivity about how their life's going to turn out. I think it's something that, that they can soak up themselves. I feel like we've danced all around this question because you've pretty much answered it several times, <laughs> but I always have to ask it. Um, what does it mean to you to be living in your legacy? To me, it means changing future generations. 
because mm -hmm. I think before my kids were born, and I can see from my parents, you know, my dad, funny enough, my parents were both um, tested for KBS. Neither of them had it. But my, um, you know, they had their challenges growing up, especially my dad as well. And he had learning difficulties at school, had the same kind of issues I did, but for different reasons, you know, because mm -hmm. we all, all learn at different paces, mm -hmm. but he did have his struggles. And I thought, okay, well, now my kids are going to grow up and they're going to look at their learning difficulties and their struggles at school or making friends, whatever that may be, and think, look at my mum. Then my mum's got friends and she's got a life and she's fulfilled and she's happy. And so I'm redefining for future generations what it means. Because I don't know how much further down the line this syndrome is going to show up. Mm. You know, my firstborn daughter didn't have it, but my other two did. And me, and again, my parents didn't have it and I did. So whether future generations in my family have this syndrome or not, Owning what makes them unique and seeing the beauty and the brave in it, even when it means they don't fit in, that is what I'm changing. That is what I'm creating for my kids to be able to pass on and, and on and on and on. That's beautiful. That really is. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Okay, you mentioned something earlier about kind of having anxiety like most of your life. And yes, I know yeah. for some people, like, that that they do carry on like quite a bit of anxiety is there anything that you've like learned to do to like like calm yourself down in a moment or is there an exercise or a practice that you've tried or that works that you don't mind sharing with us yeah yeah of course I mean I always encourage people I did a video about this earlier to be fair because I previously did a blog post about how I'd been off anxiety medication for two months how I'm living my best life as you said you know I'm passionate and fulfilled and you know don't even watch tv anymore I've got that much creativity flowing that I just don't mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. I don't want to stop you know besides being with my family I just want to carry on and keep building thrive rare and I said it's such a radical turnaround from where I was where I was barely coping and then mm -hmm. someone said to me someone left a comment and said you know, for some, like, congratulations, that's amazing. But, you know, for some people, it can be really dangerous to come off the medication. And I just thought that is such an important point that I, that I then wanted to make and let people know is that, you know, I'm not saying drop your meds and just have a positive attitude. Like, no, I wouldn't suggest that at all. And I shared my experience was that, I tried that. I tried going cold turkey a number of times and that smacked me in the face every time. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. wasn't ready. I didn't have the foundation in my own life in terms of healthy eating, in terms of positive self-talk, doing something that I enjoy every day that fulfills me and that I can make part of my daily routine. I get up first thing before my kids are awake to do my writing because it's what I enjoy and it's what lifts me up to start my day. And reducing sugar, because with anxiety for me, I've been a comfort foodie my entire life, always driven me to sugar and biscuit cake, all, all the kinds of things that only kind of drive that anxiety to become bigger. Mm -hmm. And so I've reduced 
that drastically. I, I have a great deal less amount of treats or junk that I used to. I eat a lot more whole foods and protein and fats. So just things that keep me more calm and focused. So I focus on that. And yeah, just not comparing myself to other people because that's another thing that created an enormous amount of anxiety mm. for a long time was why aren't I like everyone else thinking I was deficient in some way because I could do what everyone else was doing. I couldn't achieve what they're achieving. So therefore I'm less than everyone else. And once I changed that, that mindset and mentality and owned everything that makes me strong and everything I have to offer the world again. So the culmination of all those things reduced my anxiety so greatly that I am now medication free, but that was a process. I ended mm. up weeding myself off my medication gradually because instead of having tablet every day, I'd have a two day break, then a three day break. And before I knew it, I just was depending on it less and less. And now I've got so much going on that anxiety doesn't have time. <laughs> I don't give it time to get a hold of me like it used to, because mm -hmm. I know the signs. I know when I feel overwhelmed. And sometimes I think when we're overwhelmed, it, like for me, it used to just shut me down. I used to feel incapable of doing anything. I just sit there. Mm -hmm. And now when I feel overwhelmed for whatever reason, I'll get up and I'll do something, even if it's folding away the laundry and putting it upstairs mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. it's washing up or, just, you know, tidying some toys in the box. It's just something that makes you feel productive and in control because I also think anxiety gives you an out of control feeling, mm -hmm. um, especially when it's depending on the severity of it. Um, so it just brings me back to the present when I find something practical to do that gives me that little sense of achievement. It just, um, yeah, so those are the things that I do daily to keep me in check. Yeah, and I'm sure that took a while to kind of get all that in place. You know, just like you said, like changing yes. your diet years takes a while. Years. Yeah, yeah. And again, same as trying to come off medication, have to go back on them. Again, I'd be eating healthy and then I'd be off track again and want to, you know, fill the freezer with Ben and Jerry's kind of thing. It was, so it, it was such a long, such a long, long, long process. And I always, really like to make that clear is that this is not overnight and I I think that's why I try to be so honest and open and I share what my journey has been and the good the bad and ugly about it because it's so easy to look at people who have overcome a disorder or trauma and you see them up there on a stage and with a microphone and everyone's clapping for them and you think oh wow like, I'm not like that I couldn't achieve that and you just see them from naught to 100, but you don't see the in-between, you don't see the mess areas that they had to go through. So I try to make sure that people know they're not alone in that mm -hmm. messy process because it's not it's not an overnight thing. It's a mm -hmm. long, deep, and it's, it's a real commitment you've got to make too. It takes a lot of determination to come up the other side of that. So I just want to help walk people through that process. I love so that. And I think... Alone on the journey. Yeah, I think too, something that like I learned about just mental health is it's not linear. Like we, it's not just going to like, yes. do, 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 like it really does like tick up, down, up, down. Like you're going to be doing yes. really well for a month straight and then you're going to just crash for two weeks. And it's yes. like, it does take a while yeah. to make that progress. Yeah. 
100%. Yeah. yeah. Just keep returning back to that place of empowerment. And I think the more you bring yourself to return, to keep rising, to return back to that place where you feel solid and secure, every time you return, you return that bit stronger. And like you say, there's never that point where you just plateau and that's it. As in like you ring that bell and you're done for life. It's, it's a continual daily process. And that's why I think it's important to have those, you know, those things, you know, to eat, those daily tasks, you know, will help or those daily things you do first thing in the morning that will, you know, get your head in the right space mm-hmm. of the day. And and as you said, the dangerous part is when, like you say, you've been feeling amazing for a month and you think, oh, you know what? So I am going to have that. I am going to have those treats back in the cupboards and I am going to, you know, I wouldn't bother doing my writing this morning. And, you know, you can end up dropping these things thinking that you're good now. And then actually it was maintaining those things that kept you stable. So you've really just got to keep, never get complacent with it, I don't think. Yeah, I definitely think it always has to be something that's a priority and something that you're intentional with. I mean, obviously like it's okay to have a treat here and there, but like if those things are sustaining your mental health, like that's, those are important things. Oh no, I agree. By the way, I I can happily say that I went out with my family at the weekend to celebrate my birthday. We all had chocolate milkshake with cream and marshmallows and I didn't flinch doing that. I was very happy to do that. So Again, yes. like you say, it's, it's allowing yourself to still be human, to still have days where, you know, things do just feel rubbish and you do just want to sit there and have a milkshake. And like those days are okay too, but it's mm-hmm. just not, not dwelling, I guess, dwelling in those places where you need junk and you just want to cry. Know when it's become like, when it's when it's become more of a dwelling place than somewhere mm-hmm. that you're visiting, it's knowing the difference, I think, between the two. Yeah. That's, that's something I feel like really flipped in me too, in this last, I would say two years was trying to find some things that fill me up and make me happy. Like, just like you said, doing something that makes you happy every day and figuring out what I could do that was kind of sustainable. Right. Um, Yeah. That's a really important. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something huge or take forever or whatever, but um, yeah, I'm just trying to find those little things that like make me happy. And then the one thing that I've been working on now is like kind of fluctuating with it. So like if, um, if maybe like reading in the morning for like 10 minutes, like I might just get 10 minutes in and that might be it is something that I like to do. Uh, and I might do that a few days in a row. And then the next day I might be like, I want to listen to a podcast. And that's okay. Like yes. not like not oh, like yeah, getting indeed. on myself for like changing it up, you know, and not being yes. like, oh, you were supposed to do this yes. for a month Good straight. Mix. <laughs> yeah, no, completely. Yeah, that's like um I can relate to that in the respect that some days I want to do a post and I'll have like a blog ready to like bust out on social media, and other days I just want to do a little video of encouragement. And it's okay to alternate. I just think what like you said, it's whatever it is that lights you up. And there might be mm-hmm multiple things you might have one thing that's like your everything or you might have you know what I've actually got a number of things that I can go in between and still get that same like self-love feeling out of doing it I think it's a key thing anyway I agree I agree yeah Becky if you could speak to your like the child in you or the 10 year old self like what would you say or what encouragement would you give yourself I would say, firstly, you're not stupid. 
because I would say as a child was when I had the strongest belief that there was something wrong with me, that I just couldn't keep up with my classmates. You know, teachers would get frustrated with me and annoyed, and I'd go home upset. I couldn't understand like my friends could. And the whole time, it wasn't that I was less than anybody else or that I had was not capable of learning. I just learned in my own unique way and time. And to me, that's okay. It's okay to learn differently to other people. I think it would be wrong to expect everyone to learn at the same pace in the same way. And I think that's what makes us all rare in terms of like, we've all got our own way of processing the world, of processing life and experiences and ways of learning. And I would just love to say, it's okay that you learn the way that you do. And mm -hmm. you're not less than anyone in your class or any of your friends or any of your family. This is just the way that you learn. And you've got strengths too, as in, I probably want to remind her that, you know, you think you've got weaknesses, but truth is everybody does. Everyone has both sides. Mm. So you've got, you can have someone that's like incredible, incredibly successful an academic, earning tons of money, really smart. But if you put them in a social situation, sent by people, they'd freeze and get anxiety and want to bolt out of the building. So again, and it's like, would you say that any less of a person for having that reaction? I wouldn't, you know, it's mm -hmm. just harder for what makes them who they are. And it's, you know, it's the good and the bad and the strength and the weakness. We, we all have that. So I just think it would also be a reminder that you're not alone in having struggles or weaknesses that everybody does. may not look like it, but we're all fighting a battle. So it would just be to remind me to not, be, to not feel so alone in that. Hmm. Yeah, it's so it's a kind of heartbreaking, you know, thinking about a child going through struggles, especially undiagnosed and with what society claims as so important and what every child needs to do is school or, you know, academics. And there's not a lot of wiggle room in society for yes, people 100%. that do that, that are learning differently or that that isn't their strong suit, you know, that a 10 year old or a kid, you know, feeling very yes. isolated. Yes. Yeah, completely. You feel like they don't have their place and or a place, should I say. And I think that's what why I'm so passionate about what I do is because I want my children to know they do have a place and it might not be a place society creates to them. They need to create it for themselves because what I'm doing now, no one opened the door for that for me or said, here's your platform and this is what you do. That This is all, you know, self-made. I created this all by my own decision to test and challenge people's stereotypes on, like you say, on what a successful life looks like, what a fulfilled life looks like, one of purpose and a passion that you need to be a certain way to be able to achieve that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a testament that you can live with a rare chromosome and mental health disorder and actually still be loving life and succeeding at it. And I really want the world to know that. It opens a lot of doors. Yes. Yeah, completely. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what I want my kids to know is that 
if they're at school and again they get the same feelings coming up that I did as in you know I don't belong anywhere I've got no place in this world actually I'll just show them you can create one because yeah because that's exactly what I've done and I really believe that they can too and I will encourage them 100% I love that this this day and age like entrepreneurship and kind of paving your own path is much more widely accepted in business now yes. you know there's so yes. many people yeah. doing it so I just I love that then the opportunity that it creates for people that never had opportunity to have a career yeah yeah I definitely feel like I fit into a category <laughs> yeah 100 percent I love it. And even this, the program that you can self-author, like, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. It was, I recommend that to everyone. Cause it's funny. The amount of people that have come to me and said, Oh, you know, I thought about writing a book. How did you do it? And so it's, it's incredible to, to be in that position. Like I said, growing up in special needs class or English and now people coming to me to ask how to do a book. You know, It's a really incredible turnaround and to have gone from being that special needs child who didn't feel like they fitted in to being someone who now is supporting parents with their kids with special mm -hmm. needs who are messaging me to say how do I look at this and what's your experience what are you doing with your kids how are you keeping your head above the water and I get to help them when I was just like their children once upon a time yeah. and I think it's incredible how life can turn out if we're only willing to do the brave thing to make it so, I would say. Mm -hmm. Becky, I love your story. Thank you so much. I love sharing it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see, obviously, it's like you light up with um, with the passion that you have to share the story and to make a difference in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really incredible to see that, that dream has been realized. I actually posted earlier a video of me in 2017 trying to share a message of encouragement with the world about we've all got our unique print to put in the world and you know and, and it was literally like I said from 2017 it's like a part of me knew I'd be doing what I'm doing now because I had no such opportunity then there's no diagnosis mm -hmm. I just knew there was something different about me and I wanted to encourage someone else who felt felt different that they weren't alone so I did a video and I stuck it on YouTube and it was, I never knew this was coming. But it's like, it's been laying dormant mm -hmm. all those years. And then that diagnosis hit and it's just, poof, that it's just appeared and I just ran with it, like with everything I've got. Yeah. It's definitely something that's been placed on your heart a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. And it is incredible because I listened to the video and it's like, that is the same message <laughs> that I'm promoting today, literally from a complete, completely different place because I am actually someone of influence now, whereas mm -hmm. I think I wouldn't have had the same, I didn't even have the same impact in 2017 because I didn't have the story to back it of what I'd overcome. Mm. And, you know, my, my children who have really driven me to become the woman that I am today. So there's definitely a time for things, I would say, as well. Oh yeah. And it's so crazy how, how our kids change us. I mean, un in unexpected ways, this isn't what you thought or ever imagined, but how this has been actually such a positive in your life. 
Yes. Yes. So positive. I mean, I owe my kids so much, actually, you know, because I just think had I not had Josh, I'd never have been diagnosed. I could still be now scratching my head thinking, why am I not like everyone else? Mm -hmm. And, you know, why can't I achieve like everyone else does? And I could have been stuck in that same place. Had I not had the, the, like I said, that desire, that push from having my children looking up to me um, and the drive myself better. It's, um, it's incredible. But like you said, it's, I think it's an important thing to remember because it's a freedom and it's something you can be empowered by is that it's always a choice. Mm -hmm. Because this could have easily gone a different way had I chosen to go a different mm -hmm. path. But this is the one I, I picked. And I think it's important for everyone to remember, no matter how dire the circumstances look or how traumatic or desperate, that we can always choose. And it can take a while to get there. But like you said, if the desire is there, it can, yeah. it can keep alive. <laughs> you know, for, for years, like I said, but for mine did, it was dormant. And then something happened that triggered it. And it's just now it's full, fully into fruition now. That's amazing. Well, where, Becky, can people find you? On Instagram, I've got a page called Thriving Rare. And I've got a Facebook page called Thrive Rare also. And a YouTube channel, which is quite recent. I did my most recent thing. As I said, I love sharing my videos of encouragement, much like I did in 2017. <laughs> so it's that's also called Thrive Rare. Perfect. Well, we are this podcast now not only audio but it is going to be going up on youtube also so we can connect there as oh, well so awesome. that'd be great yes i'd love that i'll link all your socials in the show notes as well as um your book which is awesome i can't wait to read it oh thank <laughs> you yeah it's really such a joy to hear it's just yeah it looks like it's really that dream is such a long time coming so it's just wonderful to have it so well received by so many that's amazing well thank you so much becky for joining thank you so much for having me again yes and i appreciate just your honesty and being yourself oh you're very welcome Thank you guys so much for joining today. I really hope you enjoyed that episode from Becky. Next week, we have another out of the country guest. <laughs> um, her name is Ane Blonde. She is Finnish. And we, she was so gracious to come on. And I feel like she, she kept the episode very vanilla for the podcast. I have the podcast marked as clean and not as explicit. Now I can individualize each episode to what is in each episode. I can mark it as explicit if it gets a little out of control, but she is, is a life coach and a Tantra coach. She had a career change and is kind of following her passions and dreams. And she's, and she's really making a difference in a lot of people's lives. So like I said, our episode is very much intro 101. I know Tantra has a very negative connotation here in the United States, but it is, it is some of that, but it is a lot different than what we have been taught. So prepare to listen to that episode, keep an open mind and 
honestly, I feel like check her out, check out her podcast. She um, is doing a lot of good work. And I feel like it's one of those things that people want to know, but don't know who to ask. And so here she is on a blonde. You'll enjoy her. She is funny. She's fresh, <laughs> but that's, that's the podcast next week. So definitely tune in and I'll have all of her links in that show notes, those in that episode show notes. So again, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Tune in next week on a blonde. You don't want to miss it. Super excited to have her and yeah, excellent. Take care, you guys.